You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. What is up, everybody? Thank you very much for tuning in this week. You know I appreciate you giving me your time, and I think you're really, really, really going to enjoy this episode. My friend Emily Wolf is back on the show, and we just had a fantastic time. I've got just a few things to get into before we get started. They're pretty cool, so we'll bust through those and get to the episode. First of all, I did something pretty fun that just got released yesterday. There is a lady on YouTube named Emily Hopkins, and she makes really, 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 really cool music and pedal demos where she uses a harp. And she does a thing where she will release a harp track and has people mess with it, chop it up, do whatever they want to create a unique piece of music with it. Well, I decided to throw my hat in the ring and I made a little something for her latest video. That dropped yesterday. You can search Emily Harpist on YouTube or you can check the link in the show notes and it'll take you right to that video where you can check it out. My part is about 21 minutes and 30 seconds into it, but seriously, go listen to the whole thing. People did an, an incredible job, honestly. It's it's really cool hearing everyone's different interpretations of the same piece. They're all different, and you know I'm happy to be included amongst a bunch of way more talented people than myself. So check that out. It's pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Speaking of YouTube, hit a little milestone this weekend. Finally cracked that 1,000 subscriber number with the help of a bunch of the Tone Mob Facebook group members and some of the Instagram folks as well. Uh, huge thank you to everybody who's following the Tone Mob YouTube channel. I don't do near as much as I should, but now that I'm finally into the area where I can start the process of getting monetization turned on and I can actually get a few bucks from it, I will probably be a lot more motivated to start publishing more content over there. So huge thank you to everyone who is subscribed over there on YouTube. It's kind of weird to me. I'm like, wow, a thousand subscribers. That's that's bonkers. I mean, there's way more listeners of the podcast, but I've been at that way longer. So that's kind of trippy to think about. But huge thank you to everyone. And if you'd like to subscribe, you just go to YouTube, search the Tone Mob, and you'll find the channel. And you can imagine what's on there. There's demos, there's vlogs, there's rants, there's uh, there's all kinds of different things. So it's a little bit different than the podcast, but just another place to get yourself some tone mobbery. Okay, well, that's probably a good enough place to wrap up. Just don't forget to buy your gear from all the tone mob links, tonemob.com slash sweetwater, tonemob.com slash reverb, and tonemob.com slash stringjoy should you need, you know, Strings for your instrument that you probably play if you're listening to this podcast. Anyhow, without further ado, let's get into this episode with Emily Wolf, one of my very favorite guests. It's great to have her back on. This is another epic talk. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Wylan, and with me today I have returning Emily Wolf, one of my very favorite people. How's it going? It's going great, and I'm really excited that I'm your favorite. <laughs> I always point people to our last episode. Like That's People so are like, awesome. which episode should I start with? I'm like, this is a really good one. Cause it's like a, it's a really good, it's, it's long. Cause I ended up putting out that Patreon section publicly, uh-huh. but it's like, it kind of covers the whole thing of like, you know, non-serious fuzz pedal talk to like very serious conversation. And yeah. so it's, it shows a nice range of subjects on the, uh, on the old podcast. So, and it was a, it was just a good episode. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was fun. I always have fun talking to you. Yeah, we should do it more often. We don't yeah. need to we don't need to have such big gaps. It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> it is uh, terrible. But we we talked a l- about it a little bit well, you know, full transparency to the audience. We had some technical difficulties before we finally figured out how to make this happen and uh you know, basically the internet was conspiring against us, but we persevered 
and we shall prevail as always. But yep. uh, beforehand, we were talking about like all the crazy stuff that's been happening, all the things that, that have been going on, and specifically uh, why she came back on, you know, what spurred this on was her guitar finally came out. And I know people have a lot of questions about that thing. So, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, off the air about how Epiphone and Gibson are kind of making a more concerted effort with emerging artists and things like that. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, totally. Um, so I think it's really interesting that they're taking this approach because it's, it's not only beneficial for an emerging artist to get a signature guitar, um, but it's beneficial for them as well because it's like, oh, you know, you're, you're discovering new talent and sharing new talent with people. And that's kind of where they're, they're going. Um, so, you know, I don't, I know I don't have a massive following yet. I hope to have a massive following one day. Um, because I love playing music and I love playing live and just everything about it. Um, but it's, it is interesting that, you know, I really thought that a signature guitar for me would come way, way down the line in my career. Like when I was totally done touring and when I was like 50, 60, just, you know, gardening and baking and stuff. And so, <laughs> um, I, I mean, it's really amazing and it still hasn't sunk in that I have a guitar on the market that's designed by me. And I'm, I mean, it's, I'm just, I am really grateful and so happy about it. So did you have any, well, obviously you did, but what were some of your inspirations behind some of the features and, and the things you included on this thing? Mm. So this signature guitar, it's called the Sheridan Stealth. So it's a take on my original Sheridan Pro 2 um, that I got about 10 years ago. And I've taken it on the road and it is so beat up. It looks it looks like it's been around the block. <laughs> but uh, so I got it like 10 years ago and it's like all I ever played. And so this guitar that I just put out with Epiphone is based on that. But I took some unique features from other models. Um, for instance, it's got diamond F holes, like just like the Grohl and the Trini Lopez models. Um, and it, there's not an Epiphone out there with diamond F holes. Uh, traditionally, in the past, diamond F holes have been a thing that's like, oh, do you have five grand drop? You know. Well, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I mean, this guitar is you know seven ninety nine, and it's it makes that design accessible to Epiphone players. And so I'm stoked about that. Um, <clears throat> there's like a, a satin kind of matte black finish, which I've always loved matte black stuff. Um, but the cool finish, it, um, the cool thing about the finish is it's, it's thinner. So it allows the guitar to resonate really well. And it has this really incredible sustain. And the original Sheridan has some thick, gloss finish on it and it I, I mean I love the original Sheridan it's what I started my career playing but this guitar is updated quite a bit um to fit the needs of someone like me who loves pedals and loves feedback and um like really just precise notes um and it's really cool because the notes on this guitar are really precise and you can you can feel everything against your body resonate really well because the diamond F holes I learned through road testing resonate a lot differently than regular F holes. Um, really? Yeah. It's crazy because I was playing, it was before COVID I was playing on this cruise <laughs> called the rock boat, which was a lot of fun. But, um, I got my first prototype of the stealth and I was playing it on the ship and it was, you know, at first I was like, put some high output pickups, man, like, let's go, let's make it aggressive. And it ended up squealing beyond anything. Like I was, I was like, this is almost unplayable. What's going on here? And so I went back to the Epiphone people and I was like, this, I mean, what's going on with this? And they were like, well, the diamond F holes actually have quite an intense, resonant effect with pickups. So they were like, 
let's try putting in low output pickups. And I was like, oh, man. Because <laughs> like, I was like, does that mean this is going to be less aggressive? And But honestly, it's the opposite. Like, the way that low output pickups pair with these F-holes is really amazing because you not only have the clarity of those pickups, but it, it really makes your notes sound very precise. Um, and so that's why the pickups are Pro Bookers 1 and 2. Previously, they were Pro Bookers 2 and 3. But um, so it's designed, it's, you know, road tested so hard and it's, it's really, it's like ready for anything, um, which is why I love it so much. Um, and then on the back, or, well, there's a bunch of different other features. Um, th so on my original shared, and there's four knobs, traditional 335, you know, two volumes, two tones. But I honestly never, ever use that fourth knob that's at the bottom. And so I was like, what if we just take it off? So it's just a, it's a three-way toggle switch and it's got a master tone knob for both pickups. Um, and I did have some hesitation about that because I was thinking, well, will this take away tonal possibilities? But it doesn't because the master tone knob is really flexible. Like the EQ is really, um, really flexible and wide open. And um, you can get anything from like, you know, a really clean jazz tone to a Queens of the Stone Age, like mid-range honk. And um, so that's what I love about it. And then there's lightning bolt inlays, which is hasn't been done before either. Um, and then on the back, there's like a wolf emblem to kind of put my stamp on, on the guitar. Um, and I wanted it on the back because like I, I've played signature instruments before and I'm like, wow, this is cool to be playing somebody else's guitar, but it doesn't feel like mine. Um, so I wanted to put like a subtle thing on the back that would, you know, make people know like, okay, this is, this is, a signature guitar, but it, I also wanted it to feel like whoever buys it, like I want it to feel like theirs. And, um, I just, you know, that's really what I wanted to get out of this guitar is just to share how amazing the Sheridan is with other people. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, that's pretty much it. Those are the most unique features. I think, uh, the headstock as well is, is way smaller. It's more of a, a regular traditional 335 Kalamazoo headstock, whereas the Sheridan's headstock is massive compared to it. Right. Which makes, yeah, it makes that really top heavy, but yeah, this guitar isn't top heavy at all. So, um, yeah. I don't know if you just heard that tree fall outside of my shed, but somebody <laughs> just chopped down a tree and I felt a huge thump and I was, I was a little <laughs> bit concerned for a moment and I realized what it was. So, all oh good. my god! <laughs> <laughs> what a what a bizarre thing to just happen! <laughs> like, right, just yeah, <laughs> I mean, we had that big ice storm, and and uh, it uh, it just they're still cleaning up the trees from it. It was so such a disaster. Well, we have a lot of wow. trees, and you know, a third of them got destroyed. So it was pretty <sighs> pretty intense. God. Yeah, we had some gnarly weather down here. In, in Austin, Texas, and all of Texas, and it was it was bad stuff. <laughs> it was so weird. I mean, not to derail, but we'll we'll get back to that that yeah. guitar thing in a second. But I know we <laughs> we experienced that kind of at the same time. Like we don't. I know, or people think of the Portland area, and they're like, oh, rain and stuff. And mm -hmm. yes, that is true. But it's usually that's usually all it is. And within a six month period, we had intense wildfires that like I almost had to evacuate Ugh. which was weird that's never happened actually I was talking to my grandpa about it and he's like you know he's 80 and he's lived here his whole life and he's like that's never happened in my lifetime so man and then so crazy just a few months later then we had the opposite where we had snow and ice storms and the power was out for like I think they had power out for my grandpa was out for like 10 days we were out for like four or five Jeez, it, it was weird. Did did you lose power in Austin? I got really lucky. I didn't lose power, but we did lose water for like three or four days. And uh, 
Yeah, it was pretty uh, unfortunate. And you don't realize how much water you use until it's gone. And um, just like anything. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, boiling snow to flush the toilet, that kind of stuff. And so it was it was gnarly. Um, That's intense. It's so intense. Yeah. But I'm, I'm glad it's over. And I'm glad that it's are things looking up there like it's OK now. Yeah, yeah, we're pretty much back to normal, just cleaning up fallen trees all over the place. Uh, mm. They got the big, big stuff that was, like, blocking roadways and stuff all clear, but they're, they're still working on the the little things that are just kind of, okay, well, that's a mess. That needs cleaned up, you know? Yeah. And I think they will be probably for the next month and a half or longer. I mean, it was really weird. Like, it's weird looking out my back door now and, like, oh, that big tree is just gone. Wow. You know, like it yeah. just it driving up certain sections. And of course, I, I technically live in Oregon City, which is a little bit south of Portland. And of course, Clackamas County got hit the hardest with ice. And then Oregon City got hit the worst out of Clackamas County. So that was really cool. <laughs> you know, it was yeah. it was it was a disaster. But but uh, it could have been worse. It could have been a lot worse. So. Yeah. Um, I'm thankful yeah. that uh, we, I have a wood stove and we didn't lose water. Uh, so we were, we were pretty well set. It was like, I got, I got all this wood that's falling out of the sky that I can light on fire. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and we have like water and, uh, you know, it could have been worse. Things, things were okay overall. I'm but, glad it, I'm glad it, it wasn't, you know, catastrophic. Um, so wild. So well, and then last night, this didn't end up being a big deal, but I'm seeing all this imagery I just po posted on Instagram a little bit ago of literal stuff falling out of the sky in the Portland area. Turns oh my God, out it I was saw like, that. Yeah, it was, turns out it was like a SpaceX rocket, but like, it, and in the moment, it was like, what is going on? What oh is my God. happening right now? <laughs> yeah, I looked on the Mr. Black Petals post. That mm -hmm. he posted, and I was like, oh, my God, aliens are coming. And I was so stoked. <laughs> we yeah. haven't got to talk about aliens yet, have we? No. We did on the last. We did on the last. Did we? Uh, okay. I couldn't episode, remember. Yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. I couldn't remember if we talked about aliens or not. I like talking about aliens. Talk Me about too. it a little, little bit too much. <laughs> Maybe we'll save that for Patreon. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> back to the Sheridan. Uh -huh. So, um. I, specifically with signature guitars, I know what you mean about like it's cool to play a signature guitar, but something about it 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 does feel like you're you're using somebody else's tool, which is yep. kind of weird, right? Because I don't think anybody feels that way when they play a Les Paul, but mm -hmm. that's like the original signature guitar. You're is right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's almost like some like I almost forget that Les Paul is is a a real person sometimes because it's like I'm I so much associate Les Paul the name with guitar so it's like yeah that's it is funny I never thought about that before but you're right that was the original signature yeah yeah it's just become so ubiquitous that uh -huh. we don't think about it in those terms but it's got his name right on it right on it <laughs> on so so many <laughs> out there <laughs> on so many on you know three of my guitars because yeah. I I'm a Les Paul fanatic, but that's uh, awesome. But yeah, I know what you mean. And actually, when I told my wife Lynn, I was like, hey, "I'm gonna get this this Emily Wolf signature," and she's like, "Don't you have like a weird thing about signature guitars?" I'm like, "Yeah, but this one's different." <laughs> she's like, "How?" I'm like, "Well, I don't know." But <laughs> <laughs> I'm so it, glad. I'm so glad that it's different. Um, it's in different. that way. Yeah, it is. Just because. I mean. You know, so Epiphone was like, do you want to do a signature guitar with, with us? And I, one, I started hysterically laughing and couldn't stop because I thought it was just so amazing. But two, it's like, okay, like my first thought was, I don't want this to be a traditional signature guitar. Like, I want it to be a gift to guitar players. Um, and, you know, like something that I enjoy, I just want to share it with other people. Um and I feel like in the past, I feel like Sheridans have been slightly overlooked, but they're really incredible guitars, especially for the price. Um, so I'm I'm really glad that you see it as a as different than 
than a regular signature because I know exactly what you're talking about. One of my other favorite artists is Ben Nichols from Lucero, and he's always played a Sheridan. So Mm -hmm. I've kind of always wanted one just based on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know it's kind of silly just to want things because other people play them, but I guess that is sort of how it works for everyone on some level. Totally. Uh, And so I was like, this is perfect. I don't have a guitar. I don't have a guitar like this, like in this configuration. I don't have... Because I, I generally, with the exception of my two, uh, my Les Paul Special and my Les Paul Custom, and they are very different as far as Les Pauls go, but I try not to get, like, the same guitar, if it mm-hmm. makes any sense. Like, right. all of my guitars are, are radically different for the most part, and this one is radically different from anything that I have. So it fills a nice, a nice hole, that's which is great. cool. Yeah, that's great. I'm so excited. Have you had anybody else approach you with, you know, signature XYZ product since this came out? I haven't, but God, I would, I'm telling you, if I got to make a signature pedal with somebody, I would just, I could die happy. Because it's like, I love pedals just as much as I love guitars. Um, and I, I just, you know, I feel like I've tried so many of them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, not yet. But I'm hoping so. Be great. <laughs> well, I I tell you, you're talking to the right guy. <laughs> so, I can I we can make the signature pedal happen for sure. We'll talk oh about that off the air. Yeah. Oh my god. This is this is not going to be an issue at all. Holy frick! I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll 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 get the ball rolling on that. No, no sweat. No wow. sweat at all. Oh my god, that's so exciting. Yeah, we won't give away too much. I would. I'd like to ask you, like, what what would you make? But you know, since I mean, we're gonna do this for real. So you wow. heard it here first, folks. Dang. We'll, yeah, we'll that do it. That is we'll, so cool. We'll get it figured out. Wow. That's probably a good random segue into a few Facebook group questions. While we were trying to get connected, I remembered. Oh, I forgot to ask the Facebook group if they have questions for you, and yeah. they're starting to roll in here. So how exciting! Yeah, here we go. Let's see. Oh, yeah, this is an interesting one. Evan Hall, uh, he wants one of your guitars. Um, so, first of all, that's what, he's, that's what he's saying. Can you send me one of these? <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, the Diamond F-Holes, was that more a Trini Lopez inspiration or a Dave Grohl inspiration? Trini Lopez, for sure. Okay. Um, because, so anytime I go to the Gibson showroom, they have this Trini Lopez there, and my, I think it, I think I've been, I've had a relationship with the gals over there for about five years and I saw it for the first time and I was like, oh my God, like, why aren't there any other, like, why aren't there Epiphone ones with diamond F holes? So it was definitely a, a Trini Lopez thing. Um, and I love the girl model as well, but you know, that's the OG. So, um, always back to the OG for me, but yeah, I'd say Trini for sure. Sweet. And he also asks, beyond that, what are her biggest inspirations, both vocalists and guitarists? Mm, that's a really good question. Guitarists. Um, there's so many different layers. Uh, as far as tone, I'm a huge Thin Lizzy fan. Um, I love Thin Lizzy's tones and, you know, the the slew of guitar players that have been in that band is kind of immense but um mostly like jailbreak the record jailbreak that's mm-hmm. like where i get my tone inspiration and then um as far as playing i love stevie ray vaughn i love the way that he feels every single note and bb king the same thing and then i love the spontaneity of jack white and like the weirdness that he brings to the instrument. Um, who else? I love Nancy Wilson's playing too. And as far as vocalists, it's kind of difficult for me to say. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the Sundays. So that's kind of, I guess, why I sing the way I do. Um, but I also really love the kind of raspiness, I guess, of John Mayer 
and his vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think that's about it. I mean, those are probably the main ones, I'd say. Yeah, I especially can hear like the BB meets Jack White thing going on with what you do. Cool. I can I can definitely pick that out. That, That's great. That makes that makes a ton of sense. Awesome. Cool to hear. It's cool to hear it straight from the the horse's mouth, as it were. Though that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, that. Ooh, this one might be. This one might be a little more in depth. So let's get some of the lighter stuff before we get to that one. There, Emilio. Um, Emily Harris uh, says, "What does she play when she's warming up?" Ooh, I play. Um... I do a lot of scales and just kind of chromatic all the way up the neck scales. Um, I also like to run my hands under really warm water when I'm warming up. Um, Yeah. Uh, It just kind of loosens up the muscles and and the joints for me. Um, Let's see. What else do I do? I mainly do that and then... I'll do things really slow, like like riffs that I, I know by heart. I'll do them very slow um, and just get into the mentality of like, okay, if you're going to play a riff during this show, it's got to be spot on, you know? Um, so those are really the main things I do. And I like to warm up my right hand just kind of by um, doing like rhythmic. Uh, let me see if I can pull up a guitar real quick for you but uh i don't even know if you can hear this but like with the right hand um oh yeah can definitely hear it you know i'll just do that for like a minute solid Mm -hmm. and get my wrist going um that's pretty much it though and then for vocal warm-ups i'm kind of notoriously bad with vocal warm-ups because i i'm not like a traditionally trained singer but um I do the thing where it's like you go as high as you can go and just do a note and to as low as you can go, um, you know, like loud and soft, and I just kind of get get things going that way. But yeah, cool, cool. Uh, Josh Galladay uh, says you're at the top of his list to see in concert, hopefully soon. Uh, he says he's local to Austin. What is her favorite venue to play here, and why? Mm. My favorite venue to play is I love Mohawk outside. Um, and, you know, I, of course, love to play like the big places like Emo's and Moody Theater. But there's something about like the the way that the Mohawk outside is set up. It's like the stage is kind of at the bottom of this, like almost like amphitheater. But it's it's kind of like it, it's really interesting. Have you been? No, I've never been to Austin. It's very Damn. high on my list. Well, when things open back up, which I'm sure South by next next year is going to be insane, but um yeah, you should you should check out the Mohawk outside because it's great. It always sounds really good. The stage is like covered by <clears throat> this um like really cool like kind of I guess resonant kind of tent or something, but um yeah, you can just look up from the stage and see all these people staring down at you and it's just such a cool vibe. Um, so that's my favorite place to play. I've another one of my favorites is Stubbs, uh, indoors. Yeah. Yeah, Stubbs indoors. That's like, that's like my main stomping ground I'd say. Um, cause I, you know, I play like my first, pretty much my first real big show there. And then over the years I just started to kind of sell it out. Um, but that's one of my favorites too. Um, and I, I like small to medium venues a lot cause it's, you get to connect with people and you get to get close to them and, you know, it's not obviously great for COVID, but <laughs> when all this is over, I'm going to be right up in your business. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I like, I like seeing small to medium shows the most. I mean, there's some energy that goes along with a big show. That's pretty cool. But you know, I grew up. I mean, I didn't just grow up. I'm still going to, well, when I can, obviously, small and medium-sized shows. Like, those are my bread and butter. That's what I, I 
grew up as a teenager. That's what I was going to. That's what I continued going as I'm as I'm an adult. Well, I guess I'm sort of an adult. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and it, it just always has a better a better feel. And I think both the performers and the audience can can feel that energy as well. Mm-hmm. For sure. Okay, this is the one I wanted to get back to that's a little heavier than the rest of them. Uh, Mm -hmm. Let's get right to it. So, Emilio Rizzo asks how she handles misogyny in the music industry and or the guitar world. How I handle misogyny in the guitar world. Yes. Okay. Uh, Let me ask you a question. Is this a a male asking this question? Do you know? Uh, Yes. That's great. Yes. Okay, I want to thank that person for asking that question because it's such an important topic. Um, it's, yeah. Um, I mean, I experience misogyny every day, <laughs> especially on the road. Um, when I when I get compliments, like, you know, I'll hear, like, you know, we're really good for a female guitar player or they've never seen a woman play like I do or you know, you play like a man or, you know, and so. You play like a man. Yeah. What does that even mean? I mean, (laughs) I have no idea. There's some of the stuff that I hear on the road is just, I'm confused by it. But I mean, I also get like, oh, who built your pedal board? And I'm like, me, like who else would have done this? Like, you know, Um, and then there's a few times too, like when a sound guy will start, fiddling with my amp during a sound check and asking me how I like it set. And I'm like, I got it. Like if I was a guy, would you be doing this? Um, so there have been a ton of times too, like when I get to the venue and the sound guys will be like, Hey, I got a direct box for you at the front of the stage. And I'm like, Oh, for what? Thank you. And they're like, for your acoustic. And I'm like, no, I play electric. And they seem so shocked by it because they assume you know, there's a girl on the bill tonight, so it's going to be an acoustic singer songwriter. Um, but it, you know, like sound guys, they won't be nice to me until after the, they see the show. So that's how I experience it. But how I handle it is I, I try not to let it affect my mood, but since I, I haven't been on the road in a year because of uh, COVID, but you know, when I do, experience I'll I'll digest it and then let it bubble up and then I'll take it out on um during the set so like in a really aggressive way too so I, I try to channel that anger into my playing which is really fun and therapeutic at the same time but you know I also get to prove people wrong and but some of my best shows were the best shows because I was so angry from the sound check right before. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, that's how I experience it and handle it. But I think there's, I, I want to, I feel like this is an important thing to say, especially on a gear podcast. And it's so great that you are addressing this, um, because, it's just such an important subject. And like, there's this whole idea out there that being a woman means you're somehow born with some kind of handicap uh, simply because you're not a man, you know? Um, I'm like, good for a girl. Like, like I'm not handicapped. Like why, why is being a woman considered some kind of handicap? Is it because my bones are smaller than a man's? Like, is it because my voice is softer than a man's? Um, but people seem to judge each other based on the body that they were born into. And do we really want to judge people based on that? Like there's so much more to a human being than that. Um, And for the longest time, like women have been tremendously underrepresented in the gear world and in the music industry in general. And like when we stand up and say, we want to be seen, like why wouldn't, someone listen to that like why wouldn't you listen to that you know like what's going on there is it's kind of like if I only ever listen to my own music like what am I learning musically I have to study what other people have done to open my mind up creatively and it's like it's just like 
you know, men in the music industry, if you surround yourself with people exactly like you all the time, what are you going to learn and grow from? So that's what I want to say about that. I think, I mean, it is such an important topic and, and I wanted to make sure that I was really, that my answer was really well thought out. Um, I think collectively we just, we have to set the bar higher, you know, for men and, and call out when those moments happen in the moment to show them that it's not okay to say those things. And so over the years, like I've tried to hold myself accountable to stepping up and saying when something is offensive and trying my best to have a conversation around it versus just letting it slide and making it seem like it's something that I have to cope with. Um, my goal is to be a part of the progress of equality and especially in the gear world, like women, you know, I mean, some of my favorite prominent YouTubers who do gear reviews and tips and things like I never see them feature women. And I just, I wonder why. Um, so I'm really glad that this was a question that I could answer because I think, um, I think it's just that it's important for women to be seen in the gear world and misogyny. I mean, it happens all the time and it's a pattern that, you know, I, I want to be a part of breaking that pattern, um, by calling it out. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's my spiel. (laughs) Sorry. I think that was like 10 minutes. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's only six minutes and 27 seconds. So you're okay. good. We got, okay. There's plenty more. I mean, we could literally fill the rest of this podcast episode up with it. Yeah. You know, I, I have talked about this a few times in various ways and forms with different people on the podcast. But one thing I've told you and uh, I've told some others and the listeners know, it's like three of my favorite guitar players that are currently like performing and you know creating right now are yourself Yvette Young and Celise Henderson and it has nothing to do with the fact that you guys are women like it just you guys are just making rad things and I Mm -hmm. wonder if prior to you know current times if I would have even gotten the chance to hear it right you know and that's what is so so upsetting is there's nothing inherently masculine about creating music totally you know it's not like (laughs) you know it's not like it's not like i don't know what the typical like a lumberjack or something it's not like that you know (laughs) there's nothing there's nothing i mean i saw somebody post something not too long ago they're like yo dudes uh, stop acting like you're hard because you make music you're literally making poetry with yeah. notes like <laughs> <laughs> totally and i think i mentioned this before but it's like it's like men in the 80s were like so aggro and like macho like hair metal dudes but they were also dressing like women so it's like it's such a a weird like contrast there like okay so you want to look like a woman but you're also kind of demeaning women in your music i don't <laughs> you know it's like what What's going on there? So that was the has to be the most confusing time in music history because (laughs) I remember being confused about it when I was young. I obviously didn't grow up with hair metal. I'm a little bit young for that, but I found it later. And while I liked a lot of it and still do that, I remember being really confused as like this, uh, you know, (laughs) suburban dude. I'm like, wait, these are like tough guys. Yeah. I'm like, but but if I came to school dressed like this, I think I might get hassled a little bit, like you know. Yeah, it's confusing. Yeah, I mean, I love hair metal and I love like Kiss and Van Halen and I love all that stuff. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's like crazy. It's like the lines kind of keep moving, and when when people cross it is is kind of unpredictable and. Um, but ultimately I think setting the bar higher is, is what we need to do. But yeah, I, I, I feel like it's just so important that you ask this question and that Emilio asked this question. So thanks. Thanks for asking it. I want to ask you something specifically about the gear world, because I, I think that 
while music as a whole, you know, has always, uh, I don't know about always, but there's always been women involved in a very public way in popular music. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that it hasn't been harder for them, but, you know, Beyonce has been a force for a long time. You know, there's a, there's a lot of women you could point to that are really strong figures in popular music. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's happened in the gear world at all right. until the last, uh, I don't know, maybe seven years. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to put exact time stamp on it, but it feels like there's been a trend to like, wait a minute, let's check out what these creators are doing and what right. these builders are doing. Because they can make cool things too, and we need yeah. to pay attention to that. Totally. Is that? Yeah. Am I accurate? You're you're probably a little closer to that than I am. I would imagine. No, I think you are right. It's definitely, it's definitely progressed. Um, and I think as gear, you know, progresses, it seems like we're going in a good direction. I just. You know, it's where there's just so little, such a little percentage of women seen, you know, like mainly on the YouTube gear channel thing. Like, you know, I would love to see a woman on that pedal show, for instance, or, you know, something like that. I don't think I've seen that yet. Um, I think they had one woman, but, and, you know, I, I don't know if it comes from that pattern of, I'm not calling it misogyny. I'm just kind of calling it like, hey, like maybe break a pattern here. You know, you can learn things from other people that aren't like you, you know. So um, I do think it's progressed for sure. You know, like you see Sylvia Massey. She's an incredible engineer and Frantone with Fran Frantone pedals. Like um, I think if I'm not mistaken... Mojo Hand Effects is run by women, I think. Um, or there's there's um, a female builder I know or something like that. I met at Nam. Um I, I know John Cusack owns it, but I'm not sure okay. who's like running the day to day. But there's definitely yeah. women that work there in a very like, yeah. forefront way. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, even with like Gibson, like the women that that run the artist relations, you know, they I mean, they're spinning those wheels like I've never seen in my life. (laughs) They're incredible. They hold up the company in such an incredible way. So I think, I think it needs to happen more. I think we do need to see more women on the gear front, but I also am proud that, that it's progressed a little bit. So, yeah. I I just think it's an opportunity to get exposed to cooler things. Totally. Like, or maybe not even cooler is the right word, but like new things, like yeah. different things. And just because we're allowing more people, no, I shouldn't even put it that way, that the, like the public is like accepting of more people to come into the fold, so to speak, that doesn't like take away from the people that are already there. Definitely. You know, there's, yeah. there's plenty of meat on the bone for everybody yeah. to have some attention in the space. And it doesn't, you know, it, it also kind of forces you know, people to put out their best work. Yeah, like, you know, it can, when you get more talent in the pool, whether you're talking about gear or in just general rock and roll music, like it kind of forces everybody to level up. Cause if you, all of a sudden you're, you know, you're used to putting out, I don't know, 13 Oasis covers a year and that <laughs> works for you, you know, like, yeah. All of a sudden, maybe that's not going to work for you anymore because here comes Emily and uh, <laughs> she's going to eat your lunch if you're not careful, you know? <laughs> Better watch out. So, I mean, I love lunch, you know. So <laughs> I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of lunch. I can't wait to get some here in a little bit. <laughs> One thing the listeners know about me is I'm a big fan of lunch. I'm a huge fan of lunch. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, it is cool. And uh, I mean, not to like talk about it too much, but I did get a sneak peek at the pedal movie. And, oh, uh, I didn't see it yet. It's, it's not, not out, out yet, is it? It's not okay. out yet. Yeah, I'm probably yeah. not even supposed to talk about it that much. But <laughs> I, I'll say that I did get a sneak peek at it, and you're probably going to like it in light of this conversation. Let's just put it that way. Wow, that's exciting. Without saying too much publicly, because I think I might have already said too much. Because they were that's like, great. don't say anything. But, <laughs> you know, here I am. 
It's a fun tell. time, everybody. Look forward to April 30th when it releases. Everybody that's, will have a good yeah. time. That's so exciting. <laughs> Let's see if uh, we have a few more questions that popped in while we were on this diatribe. What's going on here? Uh, okay, yeah. Sonia Leaf, a big supporter of the podcast and awesome lady all around. She says, what's the favorite piece of gear that she no longer has? Mm. That's a really good question. I had a JHS color box that I sold, and I wish I had never sold it. <laughs> oh man, those are cool. Yeah, I, I, it was it, and I sold it because I was like trying to get a direct tone, and it wasn't, it wasn't the right tone, and I blamed the pedal for it. But I should have just bought a different pedal as well <laughs> instead of selling it. Um, but yeah, there's that, but for the most part, I keep like everything. I mean, I have like, you know, tape decks from the nineties and my very first ever keyboard from like way back when, like I kind of hoard gear like in it, but I, I do regret selling my, my color box. Um, Yeah. Well, that just confirms it for me. I'm not selling anything, <laughs> ever. I've only gotten rid of one guitar in my life, and I regret it. I've never, I've never gotten rid of anything else. Well, I take that back. I did get rid of an amplifier that I literally just... I bought it because the place I was practicing at the time, people smoked in it. Oh, and, yeah. Which didn't really bother me that much, except... That like my my nice amps would come home smelling like the 1970s, and I'd have to leave them on the porch to like air out. And I was like, I don't want to do this with my nice amp, so I bought a cheaper amp um, that had a more resilient finish on it. Uh huh. Um, and and uh, once we weren't practicing there anymore, I just it just sat in the corner. So I got rid of that one, even though it was a good amp. It just that one I do I don't actually miss. It's the only piece of gear I've gotten rid of that I don't miss. I'm like eh, it's fine. That needed to go. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. The color box. Yeah, we'll have to try to figure out how to get you another color box. Those things are cool. Man. Yeah. I just, I just love direct guitar tones so much. And like, yeah. Um, like the blown out direct, right? Mm, yes. Like, yeah. In it's so intense, you know? Um, but yeah. What are some of your favorite direct? Recorded tones. Mm. I mean, I love all the ZZ Top stuff. Um, so many Queens of the Stone Age uh, tones are direct. And even, like, into, like, really, really terrible, like, PV practice amps. Yeah. Like, so interesting. And then there is, like, I bought this little, I guess it's, like, you know those, like, little cigarette box amps? Mm-hmm. The little smokies. Yeah. Those are awesome. I mean, I know they they're are. Like not, you know, desk direct, but um they sound so cool to me. Yeah, I like those. Have you ever hooked one up to a like a, a big cab like a four twelve? No, but I've been dying to try that. Oh, you gotta try that. Okay. It, it's like it's shocking. Really? It's like, wow, this thing really it can really rip. Like it it's way louder than I thought it would be. Oh my god, that's cool. It's crazy. <laughs> I won't, I really yeah. want to do that. I'm going to do yeah, it. Yeah, you've got to. You've got to. It's it's so much fun. I mean, you could probably... What amp are you playing now? So I'm playing a Fender DeVille. Um, okay. But I just came across the Mesa Bookie Fillmore 100. Uh -huh. um, incredible. I think that might be my number one now. Tell me about the Fillmore. I don't know about this. So I was looking at... Um, so I, I don't know if you know, I'm sure you do actually, but whatever. Um, so Gibson and Epiphone just merged, well not merged, but they started working with Mace Boogie. Mm -hmm. And so I got hooked up with a rep there and I was like, Hey, um, I'm, I'm a little bit over Fender amps. Um, I'm not sure why, but I kind of am. However, I'm looking for, like, I know Mesa stuff is very much high gain, like, but do you have any kind of pedal platform clean stuff? And he was like, surprisingly, like, 
that's where we shine too. Like they have the Fillmore 100. They've got something else. Um, I don't remember the name of it, but they've got two different amps that are just clean. And so I was like, man, like I want to try that Fillmore. And it sounds so good. It's crazy. It's got so much body and the high end just, it's, it's not harsh at all. Like a lot of times when I plug into my DeVille, I'll have to roll the treble just, just so far off. And like, you know, if I plug into a twin, I'm like, oh my God, I can't. Like anytime, anytime that there's a twin on a back line, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna have to bring my own amp. I just can't do it. Cause it's, it's so, I'm not trying to bash any gear because I love all gear, but it's not for me. And so, yeah, the Fillmore 100, it's a 112. And then I'm going to get a 212 cab as well with it. Um, nice. So I might, tr- I think I'm going to try, I've been running stereo amps. So I'm going to try doing the Fillmore 100 and then my DeVille as well and see where that gets me. But um, oh, stereo is yeah, the best. It's the best. Oh, I love it so much. I love it. I mean, it's heavier than, you know, one amp, but it's, (laughs) you know, if you're trying to like go big or go home, stereo is the way to go. For sure. Yeah. This record I just finished, I ran two amps pretty much the whole time. One was my Benson Vincent and the other was a 65 Ampeg J12, two very different amps, but like... And then I would run different signal chains to each one. So I'd like pretty much always ran out of the Mr. Black Tape X2 mm-hmm. proto that I have. Um, and then I would run different things on the outputs of those to each amp. And it made for some really interesting, wild stuff. That's awesome. There, there were a lot of times where I found myself being like more like a, a, uh, like a modular synth player. Uh-huh. Where I'd like play a couple things on the guitar and then like reach over and tweak a bunch of stuff on the pedal, stomp on my Caroline Meteor Havoc switch and like uh-huh. let it run away. It was it was a really weird experience, but now I'm like, can I ever play mono again? I know. I don't, I don't think know. I can go back. Like I started doing it and I got a mimic pedal, like the the stereo mimic pedal. Yeah. It's at like at the end of my board now. I upgraded like quite a bit, by the way, um, which I'm excited about. But like, I'll just... I, I mean, mono now just seems so lackluster. It's it's like really disappointing because I'm like, well, awesome. Now I have to take these two massive amps to every gig. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, stereo is a whole other world, especially if you put them. If like you're in your room, and you put one amp over on your left and one on your right, it is like yeah. the coolest. As far apart as you can. It's so cool. Oh my god. Yep. Uh, uh. <laughs> what did you upgrade? Well, I upgraded my switcher. I got mm-hmm. the RGM uh, PBC10. and Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll tell you, the learning curve on that is really intense. But it's a total game changer. Like, you can program all of your presets based on the songs. And you can put in all of your songs and set lists and just push a button through your set list and you have all your settings right there and it's just it's really great i love it that sounds like a lot of fun i i still don't have a pedal board i mean i have some really nice pedal boards and uh i can't commit to like having anything set up really like i i I, i've done it i've threatened to and everyone makes fun of me for it like I've tried and tried to get like a legit board set up and I just, every time I get one all laid out and I'm like, this is going to be the one. And then like something will come up where I'm like, oh, I need to take this off for this and I need to move this here and I'm moving. Yeah. It's because I'm not gigging. If I was gigging, I would, I would 100% have something, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm a glorified bedroom player at best. And so things just are, I never play the same signal chain twice like hardly ever wow so (laughs) yeah no it's it's like i mean nowadays too when you get your board all set up and i mean for me it's like dual lock velcro zip ties like evidence audio cables that are just you know 
plastered to the board pretty much. And it's like, once I get everything done and just like, it's all there and it's perfect. I'm like, all right, I just got a newsletter from Walrus Audio and here's a new pedal that I want. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's like, I mean, it's, it's chop and change all the time. And it's like, it's really crazy because yeah, not gigging has just made me want to get like two huge pedal boards. And it's, <laughs> I mean, the gear thing is never ending, but it's so much fun that it's like, I don't want it to end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why, why quit now? Yeah. Like why? <laughs> yeah. While, while we're talking about this, I'm looking over, I got, I had this really beautiful board sent to me from uh, 1915 pedal boards. He's a local guy and it's, it's a work of art. Like I'm kind of like, I'm supposed to put pedals on this? Really? It, yeah, it, it's like all these beautiful hardwoods, you know, very meticulous craftsmanship. I'll send you a picture of it. It's it's like a seriously like beautiful piece of wood or multiple pieces of wood. And uh wow. I it it deserves, I mean, it deserves to be set up. I need to I need to make the commitment. It's not that big of a deal, Blake, you know? It's fine. <laughs> just just put some pedals on it. Just do it and just live with it for a while. I actually, before COVID hit, I was supposed to go up to the Sinusoid boys up in Seattle and I was going to bring a board and have them set the board up for me and we were going to do a video and stuff. And I was like, and I'm going to commit to leaving it alone. Not that I couldn't like play with other pedals on the side, but I had to leave that board as it was for a year. Oh man. That was going to be my, my thing. And uh, then COVID hit and that kind of all got derailed. <laughs> Not not saying I'm using it as an excuse, but yeah. it, it did happen. So, Man. yeah, it is, <laughs> you know, it's tough to like commit. Okay. This is the sound. These are the pedals because there's so many coming out and it's like every day, a new, like a new incredible pedal comes out and it's just like the computer thing. Like we were talking about your computers earlier and you know, it's like upgrade after upgrade and, um, but yeah, there's, I'm trying to get to a point where it's like, okay, this is it. Like, this is the thing. No changing. <laughs> but it's just, it's so hard. I mean, it's like candy, you know? Like, every time I see a newsletter from Walrus or JHS or Wampler, it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> another another temptation there, but. Yeah. And then I got this uh, hologram effects microcosm in, mm-hmm. and it's just been, I mean, what can't that thing do? It's been blowing my mind. It, you know, you get something in sometimes and it's like, this is new sounds. Like these these have not existed before yeah. this device, I'm pretty sure. And it's, I've been, I used it on this, uh, uh, there's a girl named Emily Hopkins and she does harp pedal demos, uh-huh. which are amazing. Wow. And she does this thing where she, I think she calls it harp beats, where she puts out like a stem of her playing a harp riff and then has people chop it up and add stuff to it. And, and she does like a reaction video and I just sent her one for it. And my stuff, it's all with the microcosm. And so it's not as weird as you could get with the microcosm, but that's the only pedal I used. Wow. And yeah, I sent it out to some other people like, Oh, is this, this and this on it? I'm like, no, it's just the microcosm. That's all there, all there is. That's amazing. So, yeah, I I love that thing so much. I it's my like, favorite thing right now. That's so cool. Ah, <laughs> I'm freaking out. Oh man. Well, we are getting close to the end, and I know you got to get to practice and all that jazz. So we'll uh, we'll better wrap this thing up. But but before we do, you've already answered these questions, but I need to make sure and you know do uh, do an update. But we got the classic questions to wrap up on. And then also, uh, this is your chance to say whatever you want to say. You can yeah. tell everyone where they can find you or, you know, give a shout out to your mom or whatever you want to do. Oh, man. My mom's great. Carol. She's the best. Um, <laughs> shout out Carol. Shout out Carol. <laughs> shout out Gary. My parents. Um, yeah. So I've got a new album coming out this year in the summer. Ooh. It's 10 brand new tracks, and um, I'm so excited about it. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. And then my uh, across all the socials, it's Emily Wolf Music 
Wolf with an E. Uh, and that's about it, I'd say. Cool. Well, I'm excited for the record. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks. I've been looking forward to some new tunes from you for a while, so that's very exciting. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, I can't wait to un, unleash more info about it, but I kind of have to keep it slightly a secret. Um, okay. But. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm beyond stoked. I'm really excited. Sweet. Very cool. All right, classic questions, and we'll let you get to doing what you do best. Okay. So, favorite boss pedal? Favorite boss pedal? The Blues Driver. Blues Driver, yeah. I thought you might say that. Mm-hmm. It's such a good pedal. I think it's underrated, the Blues Driver is. It really is. It's a great is. circuit. It's an amazing clean boost, too, if you turn the drive all the way down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I'm pretty sure that's what you said last time. Really? I'm fairly confident in that. Yeah, I think so. Wow. That sounds... I'd have to go back and listen. It's been a long time, but I'm pretty sure that's what you said. If I ask that question, that sounds like... I don't know. I could just be making that up in my head. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) And then finally, favorite kind of pizza? Favorite kind of pizza. Okay, this is an updated one. Um, Okay, I'm ready. There's a place in Austin called Via 313, and... It's insane. They have this one pizza called the Cadillac and it's fig. Um, so it's like, it sounds, it sounds a little weird, but it's like, just, just trust me. It's like fig um, reduction and then like prosciutto and then like oh. incredible cheese. And then it's like, there's like some gorgonzola on it, but it is oh, yeah. nuts. Mm-hmm. It's insane. I'm here for that. Yeah. I'm definitely here for that. That sounds very good. So good. Perfect. Well, another reason for me to visit Austin, as if I didn't have enough already. So. <laughs> you got to come on down, you know? Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Emily. This was a blast. And uh, talk to you again real soon for some Patreon action. How about that? Yes, let's do it. Thank you so much for having so, me again. Of course. We'll have to do it again sooner rather than later. Let's do it. All right. All right. All right. For everyone, or for not for everyone, for Emily. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Good luck and good tones. Alrighty, folks. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the show. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Make sure you check out Emily's music if you have not already. I'm telling you, you're doing your ears a disservice if you have not checked out her music. It's fantastic. She's awesome. I really, really mean it. Go check it out. Go pre-save her new record wherever you listen to music on streaming these days and just play and play and play and play her music you will be so happy that you did she's just fantastic and uh yeah what else do i have well i have more conversation with emily if you would like to hear more of our chat patreon is the answer you can slide over to patreon.com slash tone mob and for five bucks a month you literally help keep the lights on around here And also you get extra content beamed directly to your ears. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for all the support over there. It honestly helps out way more than you can imagine. It's huge. It's it's absolutely huge. So huge shout out to all the patrons. Thank you very much. And, you know, I think that's probably a good place to, to hop off. Check out the Tone Mob on Instagram. Check out the Tone Mob Facebook group. Check out YouTube. I'm all over the internet providing stuff for you as much as possible. Until next time, folks. Bye-bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things. And by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved 
out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.